Chapter 16 of Betty Baird's Golden Year by Anna Hamlin Weichel. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Holly Jensen. Chapter 16 Betty Organizes a City History Club. Betty took her vacation in August, and every day Edwina claimed her as her own particular property. Dottie, her nearest neighbor, never failed to pay her a daily visit, and Edwina's set the girls who welcomed lois at the may-day party were usually in the group that surrounded betty while she her mother miss jane and lois read and sewed on the broad veranda or under the firs most of these girls were several years older than edwina though dotty of course was the pet and baby of the set Today they dragged betty off to one end of the veranda with the demand for a long long story thrusting her by main force into one of the huge porch chairs they ranged themselves around her quaint charming christine stopford dropped on the floor wholly indifferent to the fate of the dainty pongee coat that had just come from paris for christine's laughing blue eyes saw only virgil when betty was near and her fertile fancy was busy with delightful anticipations of an enchanting story thoughtful phyllis gray sank gracefully into a steamer chair her skirts falling naturally into symmetrical folds while priscilla whitford enthusiastic and endowed with initiative sat at the top step switching back her long brown hair as a preliminary to listening without any bother dotty arranged her stiffly starched skirts decorously looking prim and chubby as she outdid her elders in dignity and propriety in her duteous though alas short-lived recollection of her mother's parting admonition not to get must virginia low after spinning around on her toes like a gay little top sat with unaccustomed immobility near betty while pretty cheerful mary bell stratton sweet mary breslin and dainty nettie hood the little bookworm drew a settle up to the group edwina balanced on the edge of a brilliant red hammock and holding on firmly with both hands kept herself swinging by an industrious digging of her shining shoe-tips into the floor her black hair was parted in the middle and held back by a roman striped ribbon edwina was still passionately fond of hair ribbons and they managed somehow always to be the perkiest little ribbons in the set though christine's top-knot as betty called the broad bow on the top of the golden head was also in betty's language the most lovable their differing characteristics were of unfailing interest to betty and their pretty cajoling was bewitching to her as she looked at them with sweet laughing eyes while they huddled close around her in their eagerness and importunity this was by no means their first meeting with her during the winter the set had encircled the fire in the old-fashioned hall and betty on the long sofa with a child snuggled up close on each side of her it was the post of honor at which they took turns told about her boarding-school days at the pines when a really righty story was demanded to vary the legends of which betty had an unfailing store the history of the order of the cup which betty had founded among her friends at weston was of unceasing interest i don't see why we can't have a club of some kind cried priscilla to-day springing up in her eagerness and throwing herself on her knees before betty oh betty let's have a club let's came a chorus even dotty lisping out enthusiasm as rapidly as nature would allow let's let's 
Christine and Phyllis, with their arms around each other, crowded nearer, for all were now on their feet. Edwina jumped out of the hammock and ran to Betty, hugging her about the neck. Priscilla had both her hands, while Dottie, in a mad burst of the contagious enthusiasm, tumbled headlong into her lap. "'Oh, children, children, you're smothering me!' cried Betty. "'Oh, please excuse us!' said the older girls in a breath, stepping back hastily. "'You darling polite children!' cried Betty, who saw in a flash that their courteous little hearts had reproached them for appearing to be rude to her. She gathered them into her arms, stretching out her hands to catch the very last one of them. "'Now I wonder who's the old woman who lived in a shoe. She had so many children she didn't know what to do,' she chanted and panted, and all, laughing, joined in. Phyllis stepped back and fell into a brown study. Then she turned and whispered something to Christine, who clapped her hands delightedly and pushed her towards Betty. "'I've just thought of a plan for a club, and Christine likes it,' began Phyllis. "'Excuse me, but it's perfectly splendid,' interrupted Christine, her eyes glowing like stars. She pressed closer and hugged Phyllis's arm. "'Good, Phyllis, let us hear what it is,' and turning to Edwina and Dottie, who were engaged in a warm day wrangle, she added, you two children sit there on that settle and say prunes and prisms while we talk over Phyllis's idea. Little Dottie, with literal obedience, climbed up on the settle and began to pout out from her cherubic mouth prunes and prisms, causing unbounded hilarity among the older girls. But Edwina's black eyes flashed, and two red spots came to her olive cheeks as she walked with dignity to the hammock. Betty took in the situation at a glance, and her eyes twinkled. She motioned the other girls to sit down near her. You've been telling us about the old Presbyterian church and other historical buildings here, said Phyllis, and I remember that my cousin Margaret Weldon, who lives in New York, belongs to the city history club connected with her father's parish. She just loves it, and they go around to see places. Last week they went in an automobile to see that church where the Prince of Wales's three feathers are. Phyllis paused, looking inquiringly at Betty. That's St. Paul's, the only surviving church of colonial times in New York City. The Prince of Wales's feathers are at the top of the old pulpit. Why couldn't we have a city history club? demanded Priscilla. A round of applause met this suggestion, and Edwina and Dottie ran to join the group. I think that would be very interesting, said Christine in a deliberative way. I have always liked those little accounts of real things in the back of St. Nicholas, and now we can have our own history. Well, since the idea meets the approval of this August assembly, we may as well organize and have a history club. Of course, I can't give much time to it, but Lois will help, and you children can soon carry it on for yourselves with a leader. My cousin Margaret is coming to spend part of the summer with us, and she's 15 and has been to boarding school, so she must know a great deal and could help us, suggested Phyllis. She would make an excellent leader, and if she's been at boarding school, why, she must be wise, laughed Betty. Standing up and throwing her arms around Phyllis and Christine, she led the way into the book room, where they found paper and pens ready to hand in organizing the new club. 
for betty never allowed the grass to grow under her feet when anything like this came up even the children felt the charm of the little book room it was directly back of the long drawing-room and wholly fulfilled the saying attributed to thomas a kempis i have sought rest everywhere and found it nowhere save in a little corner with a little book two deep windows overlooked the flower garden and a door at the side opening out onto the side porch stood open the room was flooded with sunshine and gay arabesques of vines and shrubs danced on the polished floor here's the very spot for the organization of the history club said betty a veranda is too frivolous it would do for a well say a dancing club shall we have a president began edwina eagerly and perhaps a trifle anxiously oh my yes let's have it grand and in full regalia i move that phyllis be made president because the plan is hers and she would make a splendid president anyway said generous christine the previous winter she had belonged to a little society in her school and the unconscious ease with which she made this motion excited her friend's admiration i didn't know we had such a parliamentarian among us said betty smiling down on the sweet upturned face christine blushed but looked gratified too for it is seldom that our hard-earned school accomplishments fit in so pat i second christine's motion said nettie rising and bowing primly to betty for she too belonged to a society priscilla is a lovely writer urged christine when the subject of a secretary for the club came up priscilla was elected forthwith at this betty noticed that edwina's face had grown very red and there was a suspicious winking of her black eyes she understood edwina was ambitious she had a child's desire to be at the head of everything this was the source of her frequent quarrels with the younger but not less ambitious dotty it had amused betty until she considered that love of power the desire to be the leader was growing to be the ruling idea with edwina in all plays and games betty suspected that she as the cousin of the club's leader had expected to be chosen for some office and that there was strange as it might seem genuine heart-burning in that little circle she looked curiously at christine to see whether she felt her lack of a post of honor and was delighted to find her forehead unclouded and that virginia mary bell mary and nettie were equally well contented excusing herself to the girls betty went out on the porch to consult her mother what shall i do carissima she asked sitting down by her mother's side and giving her a quick review of the past hour i feel cross with edwina for she is the only one who has shown an ugly spirit to-day poor little edwina said mrs baird smiling and stroking one of betty's hands tenderly she'll outgrow this trait if we are careful well it's perfectly horrid now burst out betty mortified at her cousin's behavior my daughter you can broaden her nature by showing her models of patriotism and disinterestedness and present to her and to all the girls a standard of right feeling towards others american history is crowded with glorious examples of unselfishness oh that's a splendid idea cried betty springing to her feet and walking up and down impetuously i see my way i'll try to help them get away from their own little selves 
Yet that's not easy, she added, humbled by the thought of herself as a leader. Her own imperfections were well known to her. Hastening back to the book room, Betty found that Edwina had left the group and was haughtily sitting in an immense wing cozy chair engaged in writing a letter, an arduous task for most children. With Edwina, however, the art was natural, and at this moment of her slight, as she conceived it to be, she had hurried to show those girls that she too had her gifts. Her chin was up in the air, and her whole manner invited inspection of her letter. The girls pressed around her and exclaimed with genuinely big sisterly pride at her accomplishment. Oh, Betty, Edwina has written the cutest letter, cried Virginia. Mary took the letter from Edwina's unresisting hand and showed it with much glee to Betty. As it so often happens, Edwina's naughty pretensions were immediately recognized and flattered and won the girls to beg for her the proud position of corresponding secretary. Betty shook her head disapprovingly. That position is not needed in the club now, but Edwina may hold it. She spoke sternly, and the girls opened their eyes. Now let us go out on the porch, for I'm going to preach, she went on happily. The threatened ordeal did not appear at all disagreeable to the girls, if twinkling eyes and dimpling cheeks meant anything. Quite fearlessly they filed out after Betty. It's good for children to be preached to. As April showers bring May flowers, so well-done duties bring heart beauties. How's that for a rhyme? The girls all laughed, looking at each other delightedly, for it was always such delicious fun to be near Betty. She leaned against the white-fluted pillar and, raising an interrogatory hand, asked, Breathes there a man with soul so dead, who never to himself hath said, This is my own, my native land. Betty broke off to wave the girls, who were standing in a semicircle around her, to seats. Sit down, girls, on these cushions. Those in blue and white are the pines pillows, and are the seats of honor. This vermilion one is for naughty little girls, she added, smiling on Edwina and Dottie. With a wicked flash of her huckleberry black eyes, Edwina plumped down on it and pulled Dottie, struggling indignantly and insisting that she was a good girl, down beside her. It's a great privilege, young ladies, began Betty, to be American citizens. I believe every one of us has a revolutionary ancestry, and I do think it's about time that we know something definite of these forefathers of ours. This city history club will meet regularly, and I hope that through it we shall learn to appreciate better what they did for us. Though more than two hundred years have passed, we should still be grateful to the early settlers of our country. Hear, hear, cried a manly voice, and Craig Ellsworth, his oars balanced in his right hand, appeared around the corner of the porch to take his little sister home in his boat. Oh, you, Craig, come up, sit down. We're something very important now. Guess. Oh, bother. You know, Betty, I never could guess anything, retorted Craig with an air of boredom, while he threw himself down comfortably on the top step and eyed the girls with an amused smile. Sure enough, poor fellow, you can't guess anything, can you? Betty returned pityingly. Then, with an imposing manner, she announced, we are the City History Club. The City History Club? 
Gee, what's that? he exclaimed, looking around the circle again. Please exercise your imagination a little, she replied crushingly. My plan is this, continued Betty, turning to the children. We can beg, borrow, or hire an automobile or a hay wagon or something and visit the places around Long Island, then go to New York, for that city was one of the storm centers of the revolution. Mr. Brooks will take us in his big red automobile, Cousin Betty, broke in Edwina, surprised into the rudeness of an interruption by her interest. He told me last evening that he'd do anything for me. At this, the older girls looked disconcerted. They did not know how Betty would take this liberty with the name of one they looked upon as her special friend. That's an idea. He'll be our knight to take us on our pilgrimages. That it's a red touring car instead of a snowy white palfrey or a coal-black steed makes no difference except in poetry and speed. Won't you let me go too, please? pleaded Craig. I'll be court jester, falconer, or any old thing. Oh, you may go as our... Our history is your specialty, isn't it? You can prepare the itinerary for our trip and call out the points of interest through a big megaphone. Ah, you're too good. Mr. and Mrs. King would take us, and Mr. Minturn, too, said Edwina, her black head nodding positively. Oh, everybody will, cried Betty enthusiastically. Betty's love for the early days was genuine not inspired merely by pride of family and possessions, but by a realization, rare in a young girl, of the splendor of the colonial dream and its magnificent and providential realization in the war for independence. And she could feel keenly the hardships of those brave pioneers, north and south and west, during their wars with hostile Indians. The children had begun to chatter busily among themselves, allowing Betty freedom to think it over and to tell Craig about the club and to ask his help, which he gladly promised. When Miss Bird comes in, we'll ask her about her home in Maryland, and perhaps she'll invite us to visit her. It's a quaint colonial village. Oh, splendid, cried Priscilla, while Christine clapped her pink palms together delightedly and gave herself that little shuddering hug expressive of complete delight. I'd love to see Maryland, especially Baltimore, said Phyllis, for my mother was born there, and I've always wanted to see it. Washington isn't very far from Baltimore, is it, Betty? asked Virginia, snuggling close to Betty and looking up into her face. Not very, answered Betty, patting the brown freckled cheek. And I'd love to visit Virginia, said Priscilla, for my grandmother came from there. Betty and Craig joined in a hearty laugh. As soon as Betty could get breath, she said, You dear things, you'll drag me all around this blessed country if you don't stop soon. Now let's get down to business. Stop laughing, Craig, or we'll not let you take us all over New York, flourishing a big megaphone. Betty then instructed the girls to hunt up some historical fact about Hobart or any place within easy driving distance, and they would talk it over the next Saturday afternoon. Even if two hit on the same subject, she said, it would be interesting to see it from two different points of view. She asked them to talk over village traditions with old people and write them out, and to give a description of any antique piece of furniture or china or brass or silver they possessed. 
it would all help to construct a picture of those splendid early days betty paused for breath there that's a speech for you thank you betty said phyllis rising i do think you are so kind to take up your time for us in this way oh i love it otherwise i might not be so kind laughed betty now lois and i are going out for a drive behind the fattest laziest dearest pony on long island craig i know you have to take dotty home come over this evening and tell us all about columbia that night after her bedtime story edwina murmured her little prayer beside betty then jumped up rather hastily to hear her sandman story but betty gently drew her down again and knelt by her side may we be glad when others are glad and sorry when they are sorry may we be glad when others succeed and sorry when they fail after this significant prayer betty kissed her good night and was about to close the door when she heard edwina calling to her in a little voice betty ran over to her and edwina threw one arm around her neck and drew her ear down close to her mouth and whispered amen betty was never certain whether edwina had given way to unaccustomed contrition or had followed an impish impulse but she was wise enough not to propound the riddle to edwina End of chapter 16 Recording by Holly Jensen